All right, and because three is a crowd, I'm here today once again with Kelly. This time, we're in the bunker. Yeah. They they heard us last week. <laughs> they were like, you had too much fun. It's true. And you got to go back to the bunker. Or maybe it's like an emotional bunker. It's been a rough week. Tom Petty passed away this week, earlier this week. I guess it'll be a week when this comes out. It was Monday, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. it's a huge shock. I mean, after Las Vegas, it was just like, how much worse can it get? It's that constant feeling in America at this point. Oh, yeah. It's getting a little little tiring, a little bit old. Just a little. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I don't know. We spent the week, I'm sure. I'm sure all of you have just listening to it. We took a little bit of break from social media just to like, just listen. And, you know, the more I spent with this week and with Woody Guthrie and with Tom Petty, you start to really see that like, Everything that he's talking about here is exactly why we listen to music. Like, Tom Petty is not dead. Tom Petty will never die. Tom Petty lives in these songs. Tom Petty has always been in my life uh, because this is my, one of my dad's. Florida, Danesville. Yeah, it's man. right there. Right there. Uh, my dad's always listened to Tom Petty. Tom Petty and James Taylor, man. That was... I actually got to see him. Did you ever go and no. see Tom Petty? It's something like 2002, 2003 with one of my friends. Yeah, I went with his dad. My, my parents went to him just a couple of years ago. Yeah, he came through florida because he was there often and i was gonna go with my dad it just didn't work out like i wanted to yeah. go and take him but then i don't know because he's weird sometimes anyway uh yeah i really really love tom petty there's not a time when i can't listen to him and yeah. his music and it's really sad that he's gone but i think that's true that it's kind of eternal uh i think the i don't know the name of it the one that's even the losers yeah that's totally. my probably my favorite remembering the music gets us to where we are right now. So this is a Bob Dylan podcast. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the Rays in the Japanese Rising Sun on the cover of Incubus's 2006 album, Light Grenades. Mm. And this week, to kick off Woody Guthrie Month, Bob Dylan's beautiful song to Woody. Maybe. I'm out here a thousand miles from my home. Walking a road, other men have gone down I'm seeing your world of people and things Here paupers and peasants and princes and kings Hey, hey, what he got three, I wrote you a song Had a funny old world that's a coming along. Seems sick and it's hungry, it's tired and it's torn. It looks like it's a dying and it's hardly been born. All right, so Kelly, we spent the week, a rough week, listening to the beautiful, beautiful song to Woody. Our first song from Bob Dylan's, I mean, really, there's only two original songs, if you will, on Bob Dylan's um, self-titled premiere record from Columbia debut. Records. Uh, yes, his debut record in 1962. This uh, this is our earliest actual recording. We've definitely heard songs that probably don't predate the writing of this. I mean, I guess they would have all been after. So this is probably, yeah, this is almost undoubtedly the earliest song that we've heard by Bob Dylan. How did you feel about it? This yeah, song is beautiful, and it uh, made me crazy fucking emotional all week. Every time I put it on, I was like, oh, I'm going to probably start crying. This is cool. Like, I had to, to like, just do the thing where you stare at the ceiling. You're like, ah, I'm definitely not going to cry. I'm at work, and this is weird. 
but it makes me really, really fucking sad. And uh, in a the the song's not inherently sad, I guess. The way that that I listen to it obviously does something to me that makes me sad. But you said you didn't feel you've never felt sad about this song. No, I feel very well. I mean, I guess it's not a very hopeful message. It's yeah. a very dark tune in a way. But no, I I never felt that. I I don't know. It's not like a an ache that I feel. Yeah. I, I, maybe it just depends on who you are. Obviously, I can see I can see the where you could go in this song. Well, we can talk about why I feel like that in a little bit. But I did, it didn't make me think of, there's another song that I can, and there might be other ones in my life, but there's one other song that I can always think of offhand that gives me the same kind of feeling where the song itself is not necessarily sad. The lyrical content nor the music is necessarily sad, but for some reason it makes me cry. And there's one other song that I have that's like that, and it's by Cake, and it's called End of the Movie. And it's not... Inherently sad. The lyrics are a little sad, yeah. but this, the beat's really cute and like it's not sad at all. But it makes me cry every single time. But the I'm end here. of the movie is always the worst part. People you love will turn their backs on you. You'll lose your hair, your teeth, your knife will fall out of its sheath. But you still don't like to leave before the end of the movie. Anyway, well, yeah, I'm sure there's like a huge deeper meaning to that song. And I'm just like, it's passing me by. It makes me very sad. Maybe well, I don't think meaning really matters. It's like, yeah. like the emotion doesn't come from knowing what it's about. So like it's you're bringing you. everything yeah. yeah, to it. Like the way that's what music is, the way that those chords are hitting each other, the way that the drums are playing on it, the way that the bass is hitting, like mm-hmm. you're not even conscious of what it's doing to you. And, so and like, they didn't know what they were doing. They were doing something for them. Right. But then it just does that to you, and they're like, oh, sorry, that's also doing that. Then and then to the other person over there, it's like assaulting them. So, you know. It's, <laughs> it's you, just you, you as a person exactly. dealing with it. So there's that Mount Eerie record that you recommended yeah, forever ago. A Crow Looked at Me. Uh, that's about the death of his wife from yeah. cancer. And it's just fucking horribly, soul-rendingly sad. But that feels not manufactured in the way that it's fake, but, like, that is it made to be horribly sad. Yeah, and, like, that's why it makes you out. feel that way. Yeah. So I was wondering, do you have a song that just makes you fucking cry for no reason? <laughs> no real tangible, like, Mount Eerie kind of reason. It's not so much, like, a sadness, like a, a crying every time. There are certainly songs that, like Sufjan, like, listening to Carrie and Lowell for the first time, mm-hmm. listening to even Mount Erie the first time. It's like, those hit you in a certain way. But then with, with, with artists that I listen to a lot of, like Sufjan, obviously Bob Dylan, you also find songs that didn't have that meaning later having something. Yeah. Um, That's part of you bringing it to your life's changed, your experience has changed. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I mean, my favorite song of all time, Mississippi. That song, like, chokes me up a lot. Um, yeah, even just thinking about it, that's probably maybe my only one that is like consistent because hmm. it's just those lines. If the line doesn't hit you uh, today, it'll hit you tomorrow, or if it's not that one, it'll be that one. Well, the emptiness is endless, cold as the clay. You can always come back, but you can't come back on the way. Only one thing I did wrong. Sometimes you're just like overwhelmed. Yeah. And I think a song, when a song can overwhelm you, and I'll give it to you, I think Song to Woody it is an overwhelming song. When I listen to this, it just, 
it feels such a part of my bones. This was one of the first songs that I fell in love with, with Bob Dylan. And when I first started, like, who is this Bob Dylan person? You start at the first record. That's how I've always operated in my life. This song is so good. And the fact that he's 19 years old and the fact that it turns out the way it does, uh, because otherwise this is just a fanboy singing a song to their favorite artist. And then it just takes on these proportions, especially, uh, you know, we're going to close our month with last thoughts for Woody Guthrie. And I think it'll be interesting to see how we go from this sort of, in in a way, a naive, beautiful song to this really profound, like, just how it feels to be with this man for a good amount of time. I mean, this was written in 61 and last thoughts was in 63. So we've got this two year gap where we're going to play songs between and sort of build this bridge over when he meets Woody Guthrie and when Woody Guthrie passes away. This song was recorded uh, November 20th, 1961. Uh, It was actually played for the first time that we know of uh, on September 6th, 1961 at the Gaslight Cafe. Hey, hey, Woody Guthrie, but I know that you know. All the things I'm saying and many a times more. I'm singing you this song, but I can't sing enough. Cause there's not many men who've done the things that you've done. Yeah, uh, it made me think the song was less sad. Because that version is not as crisp. There's something. Yeah, the crispness. Everything, the way that song was recorded. In Sounds the way that makes me like it's just perfect, like yeah. the this one that's on the album, and apparently if you change it at all, <laughs> it does not hit me the same way. And the George Harrison one too. Yeah, I, th- I didn't it's, like that one. No, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean it's very much of its spot. Yeah. And I think that's another thing with Bob Dylan that I think we're learning is like once you get a band and you get a sound, it's like you interpret the song through that as you have to, I guess, that song through that sound. Mm-hmm. You're, why would you play it like the original? That would be anti-Dylan basically to just play the same song over and over forever yeah. like he has to do that for and the song to live for the song to grow that I should have thought about this sooner but that so it's not the words of this song clearly that make me yeah feel that way it's like guitar it's it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's his, his voice. voice the guitar it that perfect combination because the other recording from the Gaslight Cafe mm-hmm. didn't because it's like shittier quality yeah and it just, his picking wasn't as, his voice wasn't the same. And it was his first, I mean, not his first time doing it, but like that was the first, it's actually the first song that he wrote getting into New York. He moved moved into New York um, early 1961. So this was basically, you know, turn the clock 11 months and here we are, you know, recording this for his first record. In a manuscript copy that you can go and actually see, he left um, the notes on here that said, uh, written by Bob Dylan in Mills Bar on Bleecker Street in New York City on the 14th day of February for Woody Guthrie. <laughs> now, when he spoke about it later with Gil Turner for Sing Out uh, in a profile in the summer of 1962, he said, quote, song for Woody. He was talking about the song. Uh, quote, was written in the 60th, in the si- <laughs> it was written in the, in the night, how would you even say this? It was written in the 1960th winter, <laughs> the 1960th winter in New York City in the drugstore on 8th Street which he's, again, 
not lining things up. Uh, it was one of it was one of them freezing days that I came back from Sid and Bob Gleason's in East Orange, New Jersey. Woody was there that day, and it was February s- Sunday night, which I guess uh, Highland Notes was actually the twelfth instead of the fourteenth. Uh, as he noted before. And I just thought about Woody. I wondered about him, thought harder, and wondered harder. I wrote this song in five minutes. It's all I got to say. If you know anything at all about Woody, then you'll know what I'm trying to say. If you don't know anything about Woody, then find out. <laughs> and then in 1986, he told Sham- Sam Shepard, who helped write Brownsville Girl and was um, who recently passed away as well, uh, about the song. He said, quote, I never really did speak too much to Woody. He would call out the name of a song, a song he wrote that he wanted to hear, and I knew all of his songs. I'd go out there. You had to leave by 5 o'clock. It was in Greystone. The bus went there from the 42nd Street Terminal. You'd go there, and you'd get off, and you'd walk up the, walk up the hill to the gates. Actually, it was a pretty foreboding place. And, of course, Woody Guthrie was there. Uh, he had Huntington's disease. This was at Brooklyn State Hospital. Um, we're going to get more into all of that as we continue onward. But, essentially, he went to New York to find his hero to find his idol, whatever you want to make of it. He was playing all of Guthrie songs. He knew he knew them all. And he went and he found him and he played for him. And whatever he took away from it, it's the same thing as looking at Buddy Holly, I'm sure. It's Those are the moments that he probably never forgets. I mean, that's like, even thinking about that on an intellectual level, that must be an overwhelming feeling <laughs> to just play your hero songs back to them and probably get a level of encouragement because... Woody is a nice guy, I'm sure, and he's probably a very encouraging guy. He's not going to sit there and tell you to fuck off and, you know. And so I, I, you can't even imagine what it would feel like to have that, yeah. which is kind of crazy to me. It's so. just, it doesn't seem like an experience you could ever have. Like, think of anybody who's a hero of yours. Imagine going to them. Bob Dylan. <laughs> and getting to talk about them to them. Yeah. And just, like, you mean so much to me, and then being receptive to it is incredible. That's, I think that's another reason why this song makes me so emotional, because, like, you can see it as like this fanboy thing, but I see it as this. It's it's a hero. This uh-huh. is like not only a hero to him, but to so many people, yeah. and still to this day. And like, it's it's a funeral song. It's a. I mean, it absolutely is. Like, it's just like the nicest, not even nicest, but just like the most earnest, fucking memorial thing yeah. ever. And this was before he even died. And it's just like I don't know. Well, even at the very it's end, cool. when he's you know basically saying you know. Um, we'll leave tomorrow, but maybe today. It's like yeah, you're gonna. I'll meet you down the road one day. It's yeah. yeah, it's very much a funeral song. I think that I think that's inherent like you you know that on a deep human level. Yeah. But it's also a celebration song. I and mean, it's also like sort of an outlook of a twenty nineteen year old on what his life could potentially be. You know, all the the hard licks that he thinks he's gonna take. Again, from somebody who <laughs> probably thought he was just gonna like play folk songs for the rest of his life. Who knew what was possible? And that's another thing that he talked a lot about over the course of his entire life, being another link in the chain. Here's Woody Guthrie. Here's Bob Dylan. Who's next, you know? So let's get to know Woody Guthrie a little bit. Sure. So this this week, you you sat with the man. <laughs> if only. That would be if really only. cool. That would be amazing. Yeah. A very brief overview of his life. I'm not going to get into almost any of it because we we're going to spend the whole month with him. Yeah. We've got some time. Uh, born to a middle-class family in Okima, I think, Okima, Oklahoma, on July 14th, 1912, and was raised there until he was 14 when his mother was hospitalized due to Huntington disease, and his father left to go to Texas to deal with his bad debts from real estate deals. Um, that sucks. Like, your mom's in the hospital, and your dad just took off because he has, he made shitty business choices. And also, it's a 
totally different world. I mean, can you even imagine? Yeah. 1912 world. I mean, but at that point, I mean, he probably was like, oh, you're a fucking adult. You've been an adult for four years now. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's another aspect when we're, you know, he is an adult. Are you old enough to hold a shovel and speak words? You're a fucking man. <laughs> and you're a farmer. Congratulations. Yes. Uh, he learned the blues and folk songs from his parents' friends. He was married at 19 and fathered three kids with that woman, but then had to move to California to find work because of the Dust Bowl, um, which was the thing. People were just abandoning their families because they had to because there was no work. And I'll, we'll learn about the Dust Bowl another time. I worked at a radio station called KFVD in Los Angeles where he – DJed maybe I don't know all I think could find was he played hillbilly music I don't know if that means like he's just yeah. playing music yeah. for an hour maybe yeah he's, um, uh, he's not DJ well, I don't know bringing you the latest folk hits, but no, folk I mean, hits. Like, still... <laughs> and now here's Woody Guthrie singing you know there's like somebody has to do that maybe it's Woody maybe Guthrie yeah. hi I'm Woody Guthrie I'm bringing you <laughs> yeah. I'm bringing you the, the blues <laughs> whatever right he made friends with Will Greer who was mm-hmm. a guy on the Waltons he played the grandpa I guess he also made friends with John Steinbeck, yes. who is an author, apparently. Uh, he also wrote, not John Steinbeck, uh, <laughs> Woody Guthrie, also wrote for the communist newspaper, People's World, for about eight months in 1939. And even though Guthrie was not officially a member of any communist group, KFVD compelled him to quit, basically, uh, because of his association with communists. They called him a communist sympathizer. Um, he went to New York after that in 1940 and recorded the Dust Bowl Ballads. And shortly after recording that album, he wrote This Land Is Your Land in response to the song God Bless America because he thought it was played way too much on the radio. I'm like, good for you, man. Uh, Guthrie was married three times in his life. He had eight children between all of his marriages and died from hunting uh, complications of hunting from yeah. complications from Huntington's. That's a hard word to say. Complications Huntington's, Huntington's disease, disease uh, on October 3rd, 1967. So yes. just a couple days ago. At age 55, he's regarded one of the most significant figures in folk music, inspiring many generations socially and musically. Many of his recorded songs are archived at the Library of Congress. And uh, he was the guy that did the This Machine Kills Fascists. That was him. Yeah. So everybody that, like, all these fuckboys using that to try to oh, espouse that they know what's up. That's what do you got through, my friend? And I do have a thing I want to read real quick from yeah. his daughter, Nora. Uh, she wrote this letter or this thing a couple, like a week ago, I think. Um, about reflecting oh, no about him because the 50th anniversary yeah. of his death. And oh, I didn't. I have not seen this. Wow. So I just wanted to read this. It's kind of long, but I'm going to read a piece of it. Um, on the 50th anniversary of my father's passing, I'm remembering what a young man once told me about Woody. You can listen to Woody Guthrie songs and actually learn how to live. That young man was Bob Dylan. Now the world's fame, not the world's famous Bob Dylan, not the greatest songwriter of his generation, Bob Dylan, not the Nobel Prize winner. No, this was before all that. The young man who came to our house in 1961 to find my father. This was the young man who visited him in the hospital and brought him cigarettes. And this young man learned and played all my father's songs, all the songs he wanted to hear, all of his own. And whether or not he even understood what he was saying, this young man blurted out the words that have stayed with me all these years. You can listen to what he got through and actually learn how to live. And uh, I'm going to paraphrase the next little part, just like, I've been surrounded by my father's songs my entire life, and today I want to think about and remember how, specifically how have I learned to live from them. We belong to the family of man. We are raci- we're against racial injustices. We are against social injustices. We are against greed. We fight fascism. Uh, we respect and support the workers in the world who built this world, and everyone has or should have a good job of work to do. Learn history. Give as much as you can to others. And learn as much as you can about the world. So I thought that was 
really, really beautiful and just like another sad thing to think about (laughs) and make me emotionally upset. It's great. It's, I mean, yeah, those are the lives that you aspire to. That's what you should be aspiring to. Yeah. yeah, Michael Gray, just to piggyback on that, Michael Gray, to quote him about Woody Guthrie in his Bob Dylan encyclopedia, said, quote, the great folklorist Alan Lomax wrote of Guthrie that he, quote, inherited the folk tradition of the last American frontier, western Oklahoma. And during his incessant wandering across the U.S., he had recomposed his tradition into contemporary folky ballads about the lives of the American working class, not modern American I'm sorry, no modern American poet or folk singer has made more has made a more significant contribution to our culture. And then Gray finishes well, except one. And I think that's pretty fitting when you when you say it like that. And Jesus, her her words were. Yeah. Who I know. Absolutely incredible. Um, And that's the man we're talking about. That's the man Bob Dylan is singing about. Take a trip with me in 1913. To Calumet, Michigan, in the copper country. I'll take you to a place called Italian Hall. And the miners are having their big Christmas ball. I'll take you in a door and up a high stairs. Singing and dancing is heard everywhere. I'll let you shake hands with the people you see And watch the kids dance around the big Christmas tree I mean, you brought up, you know, people that use, you know, him in a certain way. And I think that that happens over time. It happens over 60, 50 years, you know, whatever it is, where people start to use it in a way that doesn't like make sense. It's like a weird, it's become a commodity. I think that there's no yeah, way around it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. But it's like Bob Dylan's become a commodity too. He's yeah. nothing but a commodity. And I think the difference between Bob Dylan and, and Woody Guthrie is also there. That's where it becomes complicated because I think we've talked a lot. We've had a lot of people die, even like Chuck Berry. We're talking about old music and people from a very different time that what place do they have in our time? Is it no place or is it for John Green to have? This machine kills fascists on his computer. Yeah. Because does this machine kill? Fa- we don't know yet. <laughs> does do guitars? I mean, again, it's like it gets back to the idea of art. Is John Green killing fascists with his art? No, because you can't kill someone with a paper cut. But is he killing it by putting good into the world? You would fucking hope so. Yeah. And so John Green, keep doing your thing. Woody Guthrie, you know, he did his thing. We should all do our thing. But I'm with you. I hear you. For me, it's it's less John Green. It's less bringing up his name. I think that the thing about this for me is that in in the 50th anniversary, like I was just like perusing Twitter as you do with a popular Twitter handle like ours. <laughs> um, I just you know like following Woody Guthrie stuff. It's like you know this is a big anniversary. We're listening to him, and people are still weirdly shitty online. Like people are, are like <laughs> still like this fucking commie commie bastard and all this like what are we doing he's been dead for 50 fucking years and you weren't even alive when he was even around let alone making music and yet your shitty parents pass this fucking bullshit down to you who then pass it on to your kid like this is the shit woody guthrie sings about to eliminate people like you from the world and you get on the internet and just like spout away some fucking bullshit that's I, I fucking hate that. I hate that people hate that Woody Guthrie spoke truth to power. 
Uh, they hope that one day the elites that Woody Guthrie rightfully calls out are going to bend over and give them a plate of, of their food so they can be a part of, you know, the class that gets to oppress everyone. Like they vote against everything that they should be interested in um, because they, they don't really care. It's the idea of being temporary poor. I, I, one day I will be among the elite. And that's why Woody Guthrie's daughter brought it. The, the most imp- one of the most important things for me in that entire litany of things to learn is history. By learning history, you will understand that's not how it's going to work. And so when they swoon to the, to the people in power, like the Donald Trumps of the world, that you need to really have a hard look at yourself. You know, you want them to provide lives that you've always imagined that you deserved, but you never actually think for one moment to actually work for it. We have to and celebrate our kings. There's no way not to. So until the day that something breaks, here we are. Let's talk about the song. As we've said a million times, it is gorgeous. Yeah. It is set to the tune of the 1913 Massacre. So we listened to that. Yeah, we did. I know you, were, when I said that, you were you got real, you got real <laughs> salty. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Um, I just... It's, that song's fine. It's a good song. I mean, it's Woody Guthrie's song. It's great. Uh, but as far as this being, song Woody being that song, uh, like, sure, the seed of the song is the same, but Bob's version has these, like, minor chord progressions that, that don't really happen in Woody's version. It's it's tough because the recording's so old, so it's, it's tough to hear exactly what he's, like, doing as far as his finger-picking and stuff. Yeah. But Bob's... Um, I think it's every other line definitely has like a, a minor progression that it's doing where Woody's does not seem to have that at all. It's yeah. It stays pretty consistent throughout. Um, and when he stretches the words that when he's like mm-hmm. holding the words, that, the last line of every verse, uh, Woody does not do that at all either. Like, yes. Okay. I get it. I know I'm fucking nitpicking and I have railed Bob Dylan before yes, for, for doing all of these things mm-hmm. and saying that it's not fair and he this shouldn't be able to do that. This is a big day for you. This is like a big like... Well, you said something interesting when we first started talking, which was um, that you had a moment, that you had a turning point listening to Bob Dylan mm-hmm. and that like got you in. Like, this is it. This is it for me. This is like... Oh, yeah. This song is the first one that's been like... Good. I want to... but <laughs> No more. No, I don't because <laughs> I know that it's not going to be all this. Like, not every song is going to hit me that way. But maybe yeah. I'll be more receptive to it now just because I have heard this. Because obviously it's physically, emotionally upset the shit out of me. But all I, uh, I could say about the 1913 Massacre versus Song to Woody was, like, sure, uh, Bob's version of... of all along the watchtower <laughs> the actual version of all along the watchtower uh and Jimi hendrix versions are the same song but are they really so like <laughs> that's how i feel about 1913 massacre being the same song as this so it's like you're very protective of this song and that's sometimes <laughs> when you're critiquing songs that people are highly protective of yes you get weird moments yeah, where I you do. do weird stuff like this <laughs> yeah that's what makes art so compelling is that to have an academic discussion on it almost defeats its purpose because it's supposed to be subjective yeah it's supposed to mean something to you and 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 so we've had a lot of a lot of great talks over this podcast even the short run of it where we talk about um appropriation versus like um appreciation and all that kind of stuff like what where is the line of of uh folk singer folk singer's choice bob dylan you know singing his heart out you know, and what is what is he preoccupied with? What what is he bringing to the song? And yeah, I think this is another great moment of that too, where you start to see like, this is just a melody and and a way of singing on top of it. And again, we get to the homage versus parody versus whatever d- discussion, which all, all does get old. You know, it's like we always bring it up and we brush it off every time. And I think we will for the life of this entire podcast because I don't think that that's interesting. Like I think the link in the chain is what's interesting. And I think when he takes this song 
and he hears it and he turns it back. Well, Woody Guthrie took the song and he turned it back. And that's the link. And it goes far to a place where we don't even know where it came from. But it's here. It's here right now on this recording at this time. And it sounds gorgeous. Yeah. Unlike any other version could possibly have sounded unless you were listening to it live right there. Which it feels like. Which it, it feels, feels like. like it's singing to you. Yeah. Um, so as much as this song is like a funeral song to me, and I don't think these are necessarily, this is like two sides of the same coin, it's uh, a love song. This is absolutely a love song um, to Woody Guthrie. And I, I think that that's part of the turning point for me too, is like he fucking loves this dude because of everything that he stands for and everything he's done and everything he's said. Yeah. And I like that makes me feel more legitimacy about the respect that Bob Dylan has for the things that came before him. So that makes me feel better about stuff, retrospectively also. <laughs> that's good. So there we go. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. I think that, yeah, as long as, I think awareness is good. I think when you're doing things without, uh, like, understanding, it's not that that can't be powerful in and of itself uh, in terms of expression, but I don't think that that kind of stuff lasts forever. You know, I think it, it's a fleeting thing when you're just, like, giving yourself over to all emotion and all feeling. Oh, yeah. And it's another thing to, like, think about it. Critical thought, my friend. Well, not even that, but as an artist, making it. Oh, yeah. You know, like Bob Dylan understood what he was doing. Uh, you know, his Hey, Hey is at the beginning was from Woody Guthrie's Joe Hillstrom, another song, hmm. uh, where he says, Hey, girly, uh, or I think it's a lonely poem, I'm, and I'm not sure. Hey, girly Flynn, I wrote you a song to a dove of peace that's coming along. And then, of course, from Pastures of Plenty, which is a famous song of his, um, Guthrie wrote, you know, we come with the dust and we go with the wind, and Bob changed that to um, that come with the dust and are gone with the wind. And then, of course, when he says, you know, I've been hitting some hard traveling, too, that's that's straight up Woody Guthrie, hard traveling. Well, yeah. And, I, I, and that's great. I mean, I those that's little like, tiny. I thought you know. Um, I wanted to ask your opinion on that line. I mean, he could just be lifting it because it sounds good there. And, like, he wanted to throw a little nod to his song. But um, do you think when he says the very last thing that I want to do is been hit some hard traveling, too, do you think that he's, like, that's a self-centered line where it's, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to go through hard times either? Or, like, to me, I kind of read it as the last thing I would want to do is say that I've lived the life that you've lived That's because good. I don't feel like I've earned that. Yeah. That's how I took it. But yeah. I, 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 there's been a lot of fun interpretations of that. I'm, I, this song obviously, you know, as most songs from this era sort of disappear from the set list and then kind of reappear. And he's played the song 53 times throughout his, it's not very many, it's not very many given, but it did show up back in the two thousands. I mean, it's huh. the fact that this can go from 61, you know, your first shows ever in New York city to the 2000s. I mean, Jesus, that, that's a lifespan of a song. Yeah. Um, and Clinton Highland made a point, I think, uh, from 1991 to 95, I think when this song sort of came back and was kind of the most fruitful for him, um, he was. He wasn't writing any new music. He was doing that never-ending tour. He was living that hard-traveling life. And, you know, Highland, I think, sort of makes the case that maybe it's that sense of, um, not that he hadn't been living hard, if you will, and, and, and traveling around a lot, but... Certainly with the never-ending tour, it really is really a never-ending tour. It's never stopped since 1988. He's been touring nonstop. And there might be a little bit of guilt involved. You know, maybe he didn't actually do that hard traveling. And so, you know, Hyla made a great point where it's like, when he started singing that song again, maybe it reminded him that he didn't really do that. And so from 91 to 95, he just played every night and just put in the time, traveled around the world, put in the time, and let the songs come to him. And obviously we've gotten the most fruitful period. I mean, he's had so many of them at this point, but to have, you know, three bursts of creativity through your life that sustain you forever, like it's, that's crazy. 
So I like that interpretation of like, because I mean, Bob Dylan, he could have just been a down on your luck folk singer who would, you know, it would have had this really cute little bootleg that would have been lost to time, folk singer's choice. He would have this like disappointing album. People didn't think he was ever going to record a second one. This was Hammond's Folly. Yeah, this didn't sell anything. Nobody cared about it. What's Hammond's Folly? Yeah, uh, Hammond. um, Like John Hammond from John Park? John Hammond, yeah. He, you know. I mean, oh no, no, we talked about this before, but Hammond, yeah. yeah, John Hammond, he he saw Bob Dylan and he signed him to Columbia. Like it was just one of those things, an impulsive, gotta get you gotcha. type of thing. And then they recorded the album, and it was just kind of you know standard fare. Everybody was folk singer, folk singing was becoming a thing. So we just plucked this folk singer out, and we gave him a contract and popped him in. And the first record's pretty disappointing. I mean, it, I think it sounds great today because it's hindsight. Hindsight makes this record great. Because we know what's to come, and we can we can really look back and evaluate and say this is really good. But if that was all, this would be one hundred percent forgotten <laughs> in time. No one would pay this any mind. I guarantee you. Um, but when you follow this up with Free Will and Bob Dylan, now we're talking. Now we're talking about something different. So yeah, I, I think that him just becoming an overnight superstar sensation, maybe that played a little bit in his head. I'm leaving tomorrow, but I could leave today. Somewhere down the road someday The very last thing that I'd want to do Is to say I've been hitting some hard traveling too It's hard to compare the two of them Except for in this very short sliver of time and that's what makes it fascinating when he writes about it, because it's very beautiful and very moving. And I think him revisiting the song after all these years kind of brings that to the fore, I think. It's like, okay, you still connect to this after all of that. It's beautiful. Okay, so any final thoughts on on Song to Woody? Song for Woody? Song to Woody? It's two. Yes. Any last <laughs> thoughts on Song to Woody? Just... You're going to be sad that it's gone. You know what? It's always available on Spotify. Yeah, no. I, Spotify. This will, this when you will need be, to listen to music on the run. Oh, okay. Don't pretend. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is just, this is a song that I will listen to the rest of my life, which is, I don't know if I could say that about any, any other song we've done so far. It's a big, did big it, deal. Did it make it onto one of your play, playlists, like the, uh-huh. uh, the Western playlist? No, this, no. The, although the George Harrison one possibly could, because that one was weird. Yeah. It was, I mean, it felt more, more Western-y to me. western yeah. vibe, yeah. Yeah, like I said, retroactively, I was like, <laughs> maybe this song isn't so sad. And I was like, I'm going to listen to the other one again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this song is very sad. All right, we'll leave Bob Dylan to have the last word. So he, he told um, uh, Robert Hilburn um, of the LA Times, I, I don't know when this was dated, but he, um, he was talking about the song. He said, quote, Woody's songs were about everything at the same time. They were about the rich and the poor, black and white, the highs and lows of life, the contradictions between what they were teaching in school and what was really happening. He was saying everything in the songs that I felt, but I didn't know how to express. We are a real podcast. That's what I want to express. Was that a bad segue? No, 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 it was fine. fine. It was good. Um, We have a Twitter. We've been, we had a lot of fun last week with dogs. Thanks for everybody, like, having a good time. Everyone's, like, tweeting, like, dog puns. Dog puns. It was great. I had a really great time reading them. I appreciate it. I don't know how to take a somber-ish episode and turn that into fun times, but we're gonna have a lot of a lot of Woody Guthrie stuff throughout the throughout the next month, the month of Halloween. We're gonna dress Halloween. up in our Woody Guthrie masks. 
don't know where you Sounds get that. Terrifying. From. Yeah, that would be <laughs> horrifying. In a hobo, like I mean, like a generic like mm-hmm. hobo costume and just like in dirt, <laughs> come to work. Oh my god, that'd be great. Okay. Anyways, we're a real podcast. We have a website, sotwpod.com. We're at sotwpod on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Instagram, yeah, we do Instagram a lot too. Yeah, all those things are, are really cool places to go. Um, and if you uh, haven't caught up on Mixed Up Confusion, we are going to be doing essentially a Mixed Up Confusion. But next week, or not next week, uh, Thursday on Thursday, we are going to be doing the Dust Bowl Ballads of Woody Guthrie. So we are going to be looking into that album. So please join us for that as we continue onward. Somber week, but also a week of new starts, a week of different things. What were you? What else were you doing this week uh, after you finished crying about Song to Woody? Oof, um, yeah. So Las Vegas situation is horrible. Uh, the most recent episode of BoJack Horseman I just watched, actually of the newest season, is about gun violence in America. And instead of me soapboxing on our podcast about how I feel about that, just go watch that episode of BoJack, and that's basically a hundred percent how I feel about the situation. So. Um, besides that, I just watched the very first episode of American Horror Story Roanoke, and it's pretty fucking good, my friends. Uh, I'm not a People big... People aren't that into it. Really? Not I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I don't, I'm not actually really a big fan of American Horror Story. Um, I watched the entire first season, which isn't really one of the good ones, apparently. Uh-huh. Everyone Loves Asylum, um, and I, I love Asylum. never watched that one, so... That was great. I don't know, this Roanoke Get episode. Get your head out of your ass. I know, I know. Plus, I love Sarah Paulson. I don't even know, know what I'm doing with my life. Well, she's in every one of them. So. I know, I know. What am I doing? Uh, so, I, Roanoke, episode one, great <laughs> so far. I think I'm going to We'll probably, keep you updated. Probably give them another shake, the, all of them. At oh, large, wow. So. Nice. There you go. There you go. American Horror Story. Also, go watch that episode of Bojack. You'll know which one it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I want to recommend a couple of, uh, this is not fair to them, but Minor albums first. Let's get them out of the way. The World is a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die. Brought out a new record called Always Foreign, which is really, really good. Uh, if you want like a nice like 50-minute sort of soundscape. Beautiful, beautiful music. A band that you would really love uh, called Warriors. Uh, Warriors. Like you're worrying. Oh. Warriors. Gotcha. Not, not warriors. Warriors. Gotcha. Weird, weird word. A word I can't really say that well. I've just learned. Warriors. I mean, does that work? Wor? I don't warriors. think that warriors war, is war. Let's see, war. You want to do the o for the o. For me, I want to go were. Were yeah, were like were. Yeah, warriors. I don't think that warrior is a word that you often say. Anyone, you not, at large. I know. So they probably fuck it up too when they get on stage. <laughs> we're the warriors. <laughs> oh damn it! So the warriors, and I think it's just warriors, not no the, just warriors. Ones who worry. Ones who worry. Uh, released another record called Survival Pop, which is really <laughs> great. Uh, they remind me a lot of like Slater Kinney. And, oh, cool! Yeah, and their first the record was produced by yeah. Their first record was uh, uh, produced by uh, Lord Jane Grace back oh, in 2015. Shit. Yeah, I think it's maybe on the record label. I forget what the record they have is tentacle something. I I'm so it. glad we're low-key and against me podcast now, and on the low-key I know. court podcast. Everybody thinks this is better. <laughs> it's true. So much better. It's true. The world is a better place, uh, and we are afraid to die. In fact, okay. Uh, obviously, those were the low-key ones. The best album of the year just came out, everybody. <laughs> Propagandi's Victory Lap. You already uh, talked about it. <laughs> I know. Before well, then we talked about Victory Lap, the song. But we will talk about um, the album after Woody Guthrie Month, just to let it sink in. I mean, I've already listened to this. You've got a month to listen to it 800 times. Yeah, I've listened to it probably no less than 20 times already. More like I have a month to listen to it. You have a month to listen to it. The bison bones, the workers found, were dated early. Bye.
All right, so Kelly, let's go ahead and uh, pick next week's song. This is a sham, really. This is we're not going to pretend this is real. Uh, I did delete um, "Song to Woody," so it is now off the playlist. I've already given away what next week's song is. One out of five hundred and two, Kelly. What do you what do you think it could be in Man, an alternate timeline? I know we're almost great. there. Great, uh, three forty six. Three forty six is two sixty one. I know. Three forty six. It would have been our first uh, song back to Love and Theft since episode one. Great song called High Water. Ooh, two fifty nine is Mississippi. Ooh, okay. Two sixty one would have been our our another song from New Morning called Three Angels. We already did. If dogs run free, uh, want to know another song that just like made the cut because it had to? This one. This one. <laughs> so because of that executive decision, as if I didn't already telegraph this a million miles away, we are not doing that. This is Woody Guthrie month. Three Angels has nothing to do with Woody Guthrie. Nothing to do with Woody Guthrie. <laughs> you, you've decided. And I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe it does. You are playing a fucking dangerous game. I just realized. What if we would have gotten your favorite song? Ooh, I know. I would have said no. I would have had to say no. That would have been insane. You do realize if we do this every week, we're going to get Blind William McDowell. I know. It's going to be great. And I will <laughs> just find a way to fuck that over. God. Okay. Uh, next week, we are going to be doing a song off of 1963's Freewheeling Bob Dylan. Our very first Freewheeling Bob Dylan song. I have forced it <laughs> into existence. Um. We have a song on our playlist of, I mean, obviously the line, we didn't even get into it. We don't have the time uh, when, when um, Bob Dylan brings up Cisco, Sonny, and Lead Belly too. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely talk about this stuff more as we go forward. We'll talk about it next week. We'll, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. We'll talk about it a lot. But, um, but those three are on, they apparently recorded an album, but only this song is all I can find Smith- survives. Smithsonian, Smithsonian Railway? Okay. Yeah, well, the Smithsonian bought out Folkways. It's a whole uh, thing. Folkways. We'll get into it actually um, on Thursday um, for our, next episode i want to bring that up but um but anyways uh they have a song called we shall be free which is great and you should definitely listen to that but bob dylan basically turns all of that on its head into absolutely gut busting it's one of the funniest songs i've ever heard in my entire life you will not be sad by this i promise you but you will also come out of it i don't know you'll feel like quite you'll feel something like it's a very biting song but it's also it's like biting satire Hmm. it's so good and you would think it being 50 years old over 50 years old would be something to its detriment like it wouldn't be funny still and some of the references we don't quite know some who some of them are at least i didn't um but it's still it's too true it's a little too true still oh yeah well that's what we're that's what we're here for 50 years later just repeating everything from the from the 1950s and 60s there we go so let's just recreate (laughs) everything we're doing so anyways next week we will see you for i shall be free Bob Dylan, 1963, freewheeling Bob Dylan. Kelly. Yes. See you later.